0: This program is made possible by the giving of the God Called Partners of Renner Ministries. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick.
1: Friend, this is Rick Renner, and today I'm at the Pushkin Museum of Fine Arts, downtown Moscow, standing in front of an ancient pulpit. You say, that's a pulpit. Here really is an ancient pulpit from a German cathedral. And right in the very middle is depicted the exalted Christ. And if you study all around him, you see the emblems or the signs of the four apostolic gospel writers. And these particular signs were always identified with those four gospel writers. But if you read what Paul said, In 2 Corinthians 12, 12, there are always signs to prove that a person is an apostle. And if he doesn't have these signs, then he's not an apostle. In 2 Corinthians 12, 12, he said, truly, and the Greek says, indeed, emphatically, truly, the signs of an apostle wrought among you. And then he adds, in all patience, in all signs and wonders and mighty deeds. The first things he lists is patience. Patience is a sign of apostleship. Then he mentions signs, then he mentions wonders and mighty deeds. What's the difference between a sign and a wonder and a mighty deed? Well, we need to know because this is part of the proof that a person is a bona fide apostle. And this is what we're going to be studying today. But my friends, according to the Apostle Paul, who was a superb premier example of an apostle, there really are signs to prove that a person is an apostle or is not. And that's what we're going to be studying today. But first, I want you to watch
2: this. If we believe the internet and the many posts on social media, we could conclude that apostles and prophets exist in large numbers on the earth today. But how do we know if their claims are true? How do we know if someone really is an apostle or prophet? In Rick Renner's foundational new book, Apostles and Prophets, Rick reveals how these responsibilities in the church must operate and teaches you how to clearly identify correct and false teaching.
1: I wrote this book so we can understand biblically what the Bible says about the role of apostles and prophets and how they are to function in the last day's church. And by knowing what the Bible really says, we can avoid deception. And my prayer is that this book will strengthen your faith
2: and the faith of your family. When you call or go online today and get apostles and prophets, you'll learn how this essential teaching has been overlooked in the modern church and why it's important for every believer to understand the Bible's definition of these roles. And now, for this limited time, you can get it for just $30. Through its detailed information and illustration, Apostles and Prophets allows you to explore and imagine what it was like in the early church, and how early church leaders operated within these ministry gifts, and will make this book a treasure for you and your family for years to come. Call now to get Apostles and Prophets for just $30 or go to renner.org. Great as a gift or for your own Bible study. Don't miss this special offer.
1: Friend, I really want you to get a copy of Apostles and Prophets, Their Roles in the Past, the Present, and the Last Days Church. So far in these programs, we've been dealing only with the ministry of the Apostle. And to be truthful, we've been moving very quickly through this material because there's so much material about apostolic ministry. I want you to get the book so you can read the rest of it. Tomorrow, we're going to begin discussing the ministry of the prophet. What is a prophet? How does a prophet prophetically operate? How do you recognize a real prophet versus a false prophet? How many prophets were named in the New Testament? It's really going to be good in the next couple of days. But please order the entire book. I really put a lot of work into this book, and I want it to be a blessing to you. In the very middle of this book, there's a full color section that is fully illustrated to help you see everything that I'm writing and teaching in the book. And right now, we're also offering you my series by the same title, Apostles and Prophets. It's 15 parts, and it's based on this series. The subtitle says, Their Roles in the Past, in the Present, and in the Last Days Church. Maybe you're like me, and you grew up in a denomination where you were told that Apostles and Prophets were relegated to age in the past. My friends, they're still in the present And they will serve in the church, in the last day's church, all the way to the end of the church age. So we need to know about the ministry of apostles and prophets. And a lot of people today are claiming to be apostles and prophets. Some of them are, some of them are not. So we need to be able to discern who are and who are not. That's why I want you to have this series. And it comes with a study guide. And please remember that when you reach out to us with your email, or by contacting us online or calling us, we want to pray for you. So you let us know how to pray. Our partner care ministry is a place where miracles occur every day. We hear testimony after testimony of people's lives that are being changed because they called and we prayed with them. You can pray by yourself, but it always helps to have somebody get into agreement with you and it releases the power of God. So give us a call And we want to pray for you. But today we're going to go to page 310 in this wonderful book that I want you to have. And today we're going to be discussing why would anyone claim to be an apostle if he was not an apostle? And I'm going to answer that question by reading a paragraph from page 310. In the first century, those who spoke in read Greek as their native tongue knew that the word apostle depicted a position that held enormous authority and that those who carried this title could obtain leverage in the lives of those in the church. So some coveted this title and intentionally claimed it as a way to gain control and to exert power over God's people. Listen to this. What an apostle said carried great weight within a church or even within an entire group of churches, so whoever laid claim to the apostolic title would potentially be able to influence what happened in the lives of many people. Well, for a genuine Christ-given apostle, This was a serious responsibility entrusted to him by Christ that they exercised with fear and prudence and holiness. But for a person with impure motives, such a position represented an opportunity for all kinds of selfish gain. Well, in the first century, already the Apostle Paul was confronting the issue of false apostles. And Paul particularly had to deal with them because false apostles were after his territory. They wanted the churches that he had established. So very often they would lay wait, wait for Paul to leave town. And as soon as Paul had left town, they would move on the scene like predators attempting to discredit him so he could lay claim to his churches and to his apostolic territory. And one thing you need to understand is apostolic ministry is relational, it is geographical, it is territorial, and it is ethnically related. It's very important for you to understand this. Listen again. Apostolic ministry is relational, geographical, territorial, and ethnically rated. For example, even though Paul was universally accepted as a great legendary apostle, he was not an apostle to everyone in the first century church. He was only an apostle to those with whom he had an apostolic relationship. And his apostolic call was relational, geographical, and territorial. For example, churches of the cities and regions acknowledged Paul's apostleship, but he was not their apostle. It's very important for you to understand. Other believers respected Paul as an excellent minister, a brother in the Lord, and an able leader, but he only had an apostolic relationship for the churches he had helped to start and for those whom he served as a mentor, a teacher, and a father in the faith. Paul was the apostle to the churches of Ephesus, Colossae, Corinth, Galatia, Hierapolis, Laodicea, Pergamum, Philadelphia, Philippi, Sardis, Smyrna, Thyatira, and others. And his relationship with those particular churches is the reason why we have his epistles to, are you ready? First and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. He wrote letters to these particular churches because he had an apostolic relationship with those churches. This is very important. But he did not have an apostolic relationship with every church in the New Testament. We know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15 and 16, paul I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul said this, not boasting of things without our measure, it really means, or out of our territory. Not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand, which means not to take credit for another person's apostolic work. So in this very pivotal passage, we find that Paul was respectful of the works of other apostles and was careful not to pass over into another man's line of work or into another man's territory. Paul was respectful of his own authority and he was respectful of the authority that Christ had given to others. And this explains why in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 2, he said to the Corinthians, If I be not an apostle unto others, yea, doubtless, I am to you. That's a very important statement. He says he's not everybody's apostle, but he was the apostle to the Corinthians. Why? Because he started the church in Corinth. He mentored them. He was their spiritual father with the church of Corinth. He had an apostolic relationship. It was an affirmation of his apostolic relationship with them. And a better translation of the verse would really be, indeed, I am an apostle to you. Wow. And I have to also note that sometimes apostles are called to different different ethnic groups. For example, Paul was called to be the apostle to the Gentiles, and Peter was called to be the apostle to the Jews. Peter was very effective in his apostleship to the Jews, but when he tried to cross over to the Gentiles, they didn't really want to have much to do with him. When the Apostle Paul, who was called to be the Apostle to the Gentiles, tried to pass over and reach the Jews, they didn't want to have much to do with him. His apostleship was to the Gentiles. Peter's apostleship was to the Jews. And as long as they stayed in their respective ethnic groups, they had success, which means sometimes apostleship really is ethnically related. And this is a very important thing for you to know. But, Even during Paul's life, he had to defend his apostleship because of deceitful workers who were attempting to exert their authority over entire regions of churches that he and other apostles had started. These pretenders, these bogus apostles, understood that to claim apostleship for them equaled influence, authority, and power. And those with impure motives sought to invade Paul's territory in particular to claim his fruit and to exploit his work for themselves. And these false apostles tried to use every imaginable tactic to exploit Paul's ministry, trying to attract, tempt, lure, and entice, and seduce the churches who were under the authority of genuine apostles over to themselves. And in Paul's case, they really couldn't find a legitimate reason to accuse him. So they used slanderous and even stupid accusations as they tried to discredit the apostle Paul and persuade his churches to leave him and to come under their authority. Isn't that amazing? All of that is in this amazing book. But this is why The Apostle Paul began so many of his letters by saying, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was stating who he was, that he was a bona fide apostle, and he was defending his apostleship. He opened his epistles like that in Romans 1.1, 1 1 Corinthians 1.1. 2 Corinthians 1.1, one, one, Galatians 1.1, one, one, Ephesians 1.1, one, one, and Colossians 1.1. One, one. There are only three letters where Paul did not begin by calling himself Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And that was his letters to Philippi and to First and Second Thessalonians. And in Philippi and Thessalonica, his apostleship was not under assault. So he had no need to defend his apostleship. But there really was a problem with false apostles in the first century, and there's still a problem with false apostles today. But I want to say that I personally believe that most people who call themselves apostles and are not don't do it intentionally. I really believe they're calling themselves apostles because they don't understand what the word apostle really means, which is why the very first part of this series was to give you the meaning of the word apostle before the New Testament and how it carried over into the New Testament. Most people who call themselves apostles and they're not, they just really don't understand what the word apostle means. But in 2 Corinthians Chapter 11, verses 13 and 14, the apostle Paul talked about false apostles who were claiming apostleship intentionally. And this is what he said. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. But notice he calls them false apostles. These two words False apostles are from the Greek word pseudo-apostolos, a compound of the word saudais and the word apostolos. The word saudais, I'm going to read from my notes, carries the idea of any type of falsehood. It can picture a person who projects a false image of himself or someone who deliberately walks in a pretense that is untrue or someone who intentionally misrepresents facts or truths. And in every instance where the word saudes is used in the New Testament, it portrays someone who misrepresents who he is by what he does, by what he says, or by what he says. He misrepresents and purports to be something that he is not. But the second part of this word is apostolos, which is the New Testament word for an apostle. But when you compound the two words together, it actually describes, are you ready for this? a pretend apostle or someone who intentionally represents himself to be an apostle, even though he knows he is not. But Paul then went on further and called these false apostles deceitful workers. The word deceitful is very important. And the word workers is also very important. But let's look at that word deceitful. The word deceitful is from the Greek word dolios, It is derived from a Greek root, which was used to describe, please hear this. It was used to describe bait that is put on a hook to catch fish. It carries the idea of craftiness, cheating, cunning, dishonesty, fraud, guile, and trickery intended to entrap someone in an act of deception. Listen to this. Like a fisherman who carefully camouflages a hook with bait, these counterfeit apostles lured sincere believers closer and closer until those believers finally took the bait. And once the hook was in the victim's mouth, the false apostles pulled the hook and took congregations and even groups of churches captive. This was very intentional deception. But notice that Paul also called them deceitful workers. The word workers is a translation of the Greek word ergetes, which denotes someone who actively works at what he is doing, and it indicates nothing is accidental about what they are doing. This is a blatant act of deception, and these false apostles are putting forth great effort to impersonate genuine, authentic, apostolic ministry with the aim to capture people, and to pull them from somebody else's apostolic authority under their own so-called authority. And Paul said that these deceitful workers were so skilled at the art of deception that they were able to transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. And that word transform means to disguise oneself, to deliberately change one's outward appearance, or to masquerade in clothing that depicts a person As different than he really is. It's amazing. Paul is referring to individuals who intentionally attempted to pass themselves off as apostles, knowing full well that they were not. And so he's describing a blatant act of deception. And the apostle Paul wanted to protect people. He wasn't trying to create a spirit of suspicion, but he wanted people to know there were real apostles and there were false apostles. And likewise, today, my friends, in the church, there are real apostles. Really, Christ given fivefold ministry gifts of apostles. We know that because we're told that by Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, where the fivefold gifts are mentioned, which includes apostles and prophets. And Paul says they will be active in the church to the very end of the church age since this is still the church age. That means there are still apostles in the church today, not foundational apostles like the first 12, but there are apostles who transcended the first century and the first 12 in a broader scope. They are still doing apostolic ministry. And again, Paul's verses here and my teaching today is not intended to promote suspicion. That's not what this is about but rather to encourage discernment. Discernment. The apostolic call is so important in building up the local church that those who imitate this call for the sake of personal gain should not be tolerated by any church leader or by any congregation. And if a person has an authentic call, listen to this, if a person has an authentic apostolic call, a test or a little scrutiny won't hurt, Or diminish his gift. In fact, it will simply establish and prove that it's genuine and authentic, which will then open the way for you to receive them and to benefit from the rich benefits of their apostolic anointing, which God wants them to impart to you, to your church, and to the church at large. But I want you to see that even in the first century, the Apostle Paul was defending his apostleship because of false apostles who were trying to invade his territory. And it's very important for me to remind you again, this is so important, that apostolic authority does not mean you're an apostle to everybody. It is relational, it is geographical, it is territorial, and it is ethnically related. That is what the apostle Paul himself said about apostolic ministry. Now, so far, we've only been looking at apostolic ministry And I've just been breezing through the subject because there's so much on this subject that I can't cover in these programs. That's why I want you to get this book. But starting tomorrow, we're going to move on to the ministry of the prophet. We're going to see what is a prophet? What kind of prophets are there? How do prophets prophetically operate? How do you recognize who is a real prophet and a false prophet? How many prophets were named in the New Testament? I think you're going to be amazed. But we'll pick up here tomorrow I'll be back in just a moment, and I want to pray for you.
0: These days, a lot of people are being called apostles or prophets. But are real apostles and prophets still alive, well, and operating in the body of Christ today? In this much-needed powerful series, Apostles and Prophets, Rick Renner covers what an apostle is and what an apostle is not. What are the signs of a true apostle? Why would anyone claim to be an apostle if he wasn't an apostle? What does the word prophet really mean? What do we know about how real prophets do and do not operate? What about false prophets? This 15-part series is available in digital or physical formats starting at just $24. And right now, we urge you to get Rick's new book, Apostles and Prophets, their roles in the past, the present, and the last days with over 700 pages of information to help fortify a solid foundation underneath your life for the special introductory price of $30. Joseph Z, founder of Z Ministries and best-selling author says, armed with his Bible, historical examples, and decades of tenured experience, Rick has produced a scholarly masterpiece that will write soft the mania, purge the dysfunction, confront willful ignorance, and cause celebration among the lovers of the Word of God. And Flashpoint host Gene Bailey says, this is not a stuffy manual on how to be an apostle or prophet. You will want to keep this book nearby the next time a question arises on the subject of apostles and prophets. Don't miss this exciting offer, the 15-part series, Apostles and Prophets, and the insightful and penetrating book, Apostles and Prophets. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
1: to make an impact in somebody else's life, right from where you are. So thank you for praying about being a part of our giving team. And the moment you join, I want you to really expect the power of God to show up in your life. Well, today I have wrapped up dealing with the issue of apostleship, a real gift which is still operative in the church today. But I have just breezed through this subject because there's so much to cover on this subject. And the rest of it is in my book called Apostles and Prophets. It's a substantial book. I've really put a lot into it. When you get this book, you're going to say, wow, I really got my money's worth for that. Look at this. It's not very expensive, but it is just loaded with material. I've done all the work for you. It's like a banquet that has been set on the table. And my friends, I want you to order yours because you need to understand what the Bible says about authentic prophets and apostles. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about prophets. But I also want you to order the whole series, which is based on these programs called Apostles and Prophets. It's 15 parts. The subtitle says, Their roles in the Past, in the Present and in the last days church, and it comes with a study guide, which you know that I really love my study guides. I want you to love them too, so that you can read them while you see or hear the entire series. But hey, if you need prayer, we're waiting for our phone to ring right now. So give us a call. Or if you wish, send us an email. And the moment your email shows up in our inbox, whether you email us, write us, or call us, we're going to release our faith, and according to Jeremiah 33:3, God's going to hear us, He's going to answer, and He's going to just blow your mind in the way He answers your prayer request. But I want to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you so much that you really want to move in our lives and you want to protect us. Thank you that you're so loving. We thank you, Father, for your power which is available to meet our needs. We thank you for your word which brings such clarity into our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, be ready for tomorrow when we begin to discuss what is a prophet. It's going to be good. But until then, remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, which says, where the word of a king is, there is power. Hey, friends, we're coming to an area near you, and we want to invite you to come to one of our meetings. Sunday, February 5th, we're going to Church for All Nations in Colorado Springs, and we will be with pastors Mark and Linda Coward. Then on Sunday, February 12th, we're going to be at Legacy Church with Pastor Jeremy and Sarah Pearsons in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado. Then on Thursday, February 16th, Denise is having a women's meeting at the Stony Creek Hotel in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. On Saturday and Sunday, February 18th and 19th, we're going to be at the Living Word Christian Center with Pastor Mac Hammond in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. And on Sunday, February 26th, we're going to be at Faith Family Church with Pastors Michael and Vicki Bang in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. But please go to our website to affirm all these times and all these dates. And we look
0: forward to seeing you there.